We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two, all engines running. Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff, we have liftoff. Welcome back to 10 Questions and the series of interviews or companion pieces really to the ABC's comedy showroom of pilots. Now sometimes when you've worked in an industry for a long time in one place, it's easy to keep working with the same people. You like them, they get you, you've got a shorthand and that was the headspace I was in until this script hit my inbox called The Legend of Gavin Tanner, about a guy who thinks he's the king of the small town he lives in. A page and a half in, I rang my agent and said, yep, I'm doing this. And it was really one of the best experiences of my career, going over to Perth and working with this production company called Mad Kids, which is Lauren Elliott, Henry Inglis, and Matt Lovekiss. Mad Kids have done a bunch of online stuff, including the web series The Right Stuff, W-R-I-T-E. Go on to YouTube and check that out. It's hilarious. But The Legend of Gavin Tanner, the web series, was particularly popular, scoring over a million plays on YouTube and from there being turned into a pilot for the showroom. The show is created by Matt Lovekiss. He also co-wrote and stars in it. He's a very engaging and deep-thinking guy a universe away from his alter ego, Gavin Tanner. And when he's not creating and performing in his own stuff, he writes jokes for Julia Morris in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Oh, yes, he does. I started by asking Matt when he was most happy. Uh, I'm generally, I can't actually pick a, a time and go, oh, you know, when I got married or anything like that, which I haven't, I haven't, haven't been married, so clearly that couldn't be the time that I would choose. But I'm generally most happy when kind of lost in humour or music. Yeah. Um, so it's like riffing with people or doing characters or, or just really um, playing, I guess, um, and, and finding people with a sense of play and then it's either humour or music where I get really kind of, um, carried away, you know. Um, totally. I think like a specific moment. I guess a specific, really happy moment would be seeing the playback of a joke that really worked on a show. Like you go, oh hey, that kind of that went the way that I hoped it would, and there's this kind of real magic or excitement to it, which which I love, and I get a genuine thrill from those those moments. And then um, also just being lost in the composition of music. That's like a truly joyful uh, experience for me basically when I sit down at a piano and I don't know what the hell is going to come out and then you're just kind of finding your way through, uh, through whatever it is your brain spits out at the time. That's like um, probably when I'm happiest. Yeah, tapping into the zone there, I can only imagine because I've never written a song in my life, but um, <laughs> there would be something quite joyful about that. But having, having said that, I, I do recall when you were that th- there's a certain joy in your eyes when you're playing Gavin Tanner <laughs> yeah uh, well I guess it's the joy of being totally free yeah you know, he, he, he's a massive um dickhead and <laughs> there's something very liberating about being able to say all of the things you can't normally say or to be so self-aggrandizing as to be offensive and and it's just that's just really good fun Mate, and it looks it. 
It totally <laughs> looks it. I mean, I would, I would love to, you know, it, it would be a truly joyful experience to wholeheartedly believe it when you say, you know, I'm the biggest fucking legend there is. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's even just saying the words, you're like, wow, that that's a profound leap of uh, perception yeah. that would be quite joyful to be a part of, I suppose. Um. The next question is, who would you like to apologise to and why? That was an interesting question. Again, all of these questions are interesting questions. Um, well, I already do apologise. I apologise to heaps of people all the time because, like, I get, I am by my very nature really excitable and enthusiastic, and that happens when basically when I'm around people and I talk a lot. And, and I just get really excited and then I lose myself and then midway through, like, this other voice in my head goes, hey, you, you know, you should actually shut up because and just leave this person alone because, uh, you know, it's like I'm just going for it. And then, like, I kind of check in and, and then as to see whether I've, like, gone too far and then, like, I always kind of end up apologising. Oh, yeah, shit, I'm, you know, I'm talking too much or something like that. And I thought about that apology thing as well. And I guess like on a, a sort of more meta kind of level, I guess like a genuine apology would be to like, I'd say anyone that I ever had a kind of an unskillful relationship with, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, because like d depending on whichever kind of field of the world it was in, but it's like if I was unskillful in how I kind of managed a relationship with someone, then I guess I would go... I would want to apologise to them. That's very funny, mate. The, the clumsy, <laughs> the clumsy breakup, the unskilled breakup, the unskilled, uh, just an unskilled human. <laughs> <laughs> just like learn, like there's got to be, there should be courses. Yeah, mate. Yeah. This is how you adult one hundred and one. Yeah. No, but you got to figure it out for yourself. <laughs> oh. The sadistic joke. Adam. Particularly a mind like mine. Um, yeah, totally. I relate. <laughs> the next question, mate, is what is your greatest regret? Thinking. Too much thinking <laughs> and valuing thinking over feeling. That's, um, that's profound. That'd be it. Wow. Um, because, question. yeah, uh, I guess, well, thinking helps with uh, work and ideas and problem solving and all of that sort of stuff. But... Uh, I think thinking uh, leads me to be uh, to ignore my gut, and uh, so my brain gets the runs and my gut doesn't. Um, what will you still need to do to feel you've lived a satisfactory life? Yeah. Uh, well, I thought to to this, I thought there's kind of like uh, two approaches. You know, so either either I could eliminate the need for satisfaction itself. And that would kind of like be the ultimate way to uh, lead a satisfactory life. So I guess you could like dismantle the ego's need for satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Or the second way I imagine would probably be to kind of, um, I guess, experience uh, generosity or selflessness sort of more regularly, like mm -hmm. through, I guess, like... Um, I guess, meaningful relationships or being part of something that I guess is more important than the individual, mm. being part of something greater than the self, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, any plans to, to do that, mate? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, it's something that, you know, I think about and uh, and I guess as a value direction is uh, something that I uh, uh, look forward to, um, I guess, uh, pursuing more uh, meaningfully, I suppose. But um, no, that's definitely on the uh, cosmic existential to-do list. I just want to. I would just love to have this kind of split screen between you and Gavin Tanner as you're saying that and Gavin's reaction. Well, he would go, you know, he's using big words. The guy's an idiot. Books have ruined his brain. That's that's. He wants that's to help what, other people. No, he, he would say, just watch the Eagles. He would say, eat a pie, have a root, you know, smoke some cones, live a satisfactory life. <laughs> He would uh, he would go, uh, you know. You, you're thinking too much. You're thinking too much, man. Um, yeah. Who is the person who most influenced you, and how? Um. Well, the guy. There, there is a. Um, no, I'll just like yeah. I'll, I'll fumble through those those uh, four different starts of my sentence. <laughs> So I just started four different sentences at the same time. Uh, and so I'll pick just the one, right? Um, uh, this guy called um, Ian David, who's an um, amazing uh, Australian screenwriter, and he's also a family friend. Um, and uh, Blue Murder, right? Blue Murder, yeah, and uh, three acts of Murder and the Shark Net and... All sorts of stuff. He's done a fair bit of work in uh, with some WA producers, but you know he's, um, you know, the guy's a legend. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I'd written it, it, it by virtue of a sort of family connection. Um, he uh, somehow came into my realm, and uh, my mum arranged it. I'd written a uh, pilot for a sort of Gavin Tanner half hour in late two thousand and eight, and um, my mum arranged it for. Um, for Ian to read it, and then um, so, and then he said, "Oh well, you know, let, let's have a chat." Uh, and so we, we kind of sat down, and then he uh, informed me that uh, it was a you know a spirited effort, uh, but it did <laughs> suffer from a uh, what I would what I intuited as a profound lack of understanding of anything to do with screenwriting. Um, <laughs> And uh, basically, I uh, had no idea what I was doing. Uh, however, uh, what followed was a kind of uh, sort of four-hour discussion on, you know, writing and, you know, the certain mechanisms at play within a comic character or a comic world, uh, you know, the ideas of, like, worldview and, and um, irony and plot and all of that sort of stuff. And um, I, I maintain that I almost learnt more in those four hours than I did at my four years at university. Mm. And uh, I guess um, it really fueled uh, my desire to kind of get better at it because um, it, was, it was like having been lost in the wilderness and um, someone coming up and giving you a compass and a map and going, well, you might want to try heading that way. Totally. I mean, it, it, there's, if you go to the Writers Guild website, there's... Uh, writers can bid like hundreds of dollars just for a cup of coffee with um, a well-known writer, and um, and you got Ian David for free. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I, I, I mean, and I'm eternally grateful. 
Yeah. I was like, you know, the fact that I got, uh, you know, a bit of time. And it was really, I guess there's, there's an expression which is, uh, you know, when the, um, uh, what is it, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And, um, or as my dad says, when the uh, surfer is ready, the website will appear. <laughs> um, but, but I think it's really true because after writing or after trying to do an activity that you have an innate sense, you go, hey, I think I want to kind of write a comedy. And then you, you, you kind of do it in your own reckless and haphazard, enthusiastic way. And then uh, you kind of don't know what you're doing. But after you've made a whole bunch of mistakes, when somebody goes, oh, well, you know, how about you think about this? <laughs> it's You're kind of ready to accept that. Totally, yeah. And it's it, it's funny, maybe you do know the – because you've, you've fumbled around in the dark for quite a while, you do know the rules, but you just need someone to confirm it or yeah. to confirm them. Um, and then they become crystallized and then you've got it's, shortcuts. Yeah, and you, and you start – realizing it in all of your favorite things like you watch Seinfeld in a different way or Frasier in a different way and you start seeing uh, the techniques or the the aspects that are being uh, um, sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for clarified to you you start seeing them in action and you're like oh god that really that really works same for sort of uh, Tim Ferguson as well you know he uh, his book the cheeky monkey is just so um has got so many aspects that he where he discusses comedy and narrative construction and all of these sorts of things where then you you see it in action and you're like well I think the guy's pretty much on the money because it's yeah. being backed up with evidence well I've read uh, that book and I I I agree completely because of the, the the confused looks on people's faces when they realize that comedy is about technique and it is about there's a lot of learning that goes into comedy. It's just like any other trade, really. You, there's ways to do it. I, and I guess the reason why people don't want to know and, and don't know is because it, it's best they don't look below the bonnet. Yes, um, totally. But you don't want to ruin it. No, that's right. But it's integral to people who actually work in the industry. You've got to look below the bonnet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You've got to have a tinker, Adam. That, you've got to look at a lot of engines. That's <laughs> yes. it. Um, mate, when was... The last time you cried and why? Uh, I can. This is this is a bit of a ridiculous story, but um, I, I can uh, remember it uh, vividly. Um, the last time I remember crying like, properly was in uh, two thousand and nine, right? And um, it was a, a bizarre circumstance. Um, I'd kind of been, I had been going through some stuff in my. Uh, personal life that I was not sort of aware was maybe affecting me. But anyway, I was at the office. I was working uh, in a engineering with my dad at the time and um, I was late at the office one night and um, for some reason I've, uh, I've kind of flicked on uh, Kathy Freeman's 400-metre Olympic gold medal run from the 2000 Olympics, right? And it was just a regular kind of day and I was just like, oh, you know, I'll watch it. And there was just, oh, man, there was just something in it. You know, watching this um, watching this video of, like, Kathy just running and it was like it was like the hero's journey, you know, the, the Joseph Campbell kind of thing, you know, like the hero sort of had the courage to 
give it like absolutely everything. And there was, you know, this huge kind of, if you watch that footage, it was just this huge kind of sacrificing like the totality of her existence to like conquer this yeah. enormous yeah. obstacle. And like, it was like the magnificence of that moment and the determination and the courage. Like it just hit me. And then all of a sudden, completely involuntarily, I just burst into tears. You know, and I was just like, Ugh. yeah. And and I had a friend, Andrew, who was working in the office at the time, and he heard this going on and he came in and he saw me. And he's like, What the what the hell? And like he looks and I'm sitting there watching Kathy Freeman like in tears, and I'm just like, going, ah, this is, I had no idea what was going on, and um, I was just confused, and uh, and it just kept on coming. It was like it all just came out, mate. I I have that exact thing I've cried over many times because of the the pressure that was on that woman at that mm. time. It was no mistake. There's no way that you can overestimate. The uh, the weight that was on her shoulders, yeah. And as she's coming around the bend, yeah. And the the final bend, you're thinking, I don't know, if she's going to do this. And yeah. then that kick, that kick yeah. at the like that's the 150 meter mark, and then Bruce going, "What a champion! What a legend!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it was that it was that kick. It's just the I have to give everything. Yeah, I have to give. Total sacrifice, and it was like it was magnificent. I agree. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. And that also, apparently, the to those who are there, and are apparently, by the, you know, I've spoken to all of them. I think um, that uh, <laughs> the 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 sound was the most deafening of anything. No football match or anything's ever are been able to replicate the how loud it was. Um, yeah. As she came around that bend, yeah. I mean, looking back now, I think you know there was there were other things uh, like non Kathy Freeman related things going on in my life <laughs> at the time, but it was it was Kathy. Uh, it was this thing that just <laughs> me so so deeply, and I was like, wow. She um, was the vehicle. She was the vehicle for. She was. The group. She yeah. was the catalyst. Kathy was the, the, the catalyst. <laughs> That's um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty funny because I immediately then went and wrote a storyline about a guy who keeps bursting into tears for no apparent reason. <laughs> and it's confusing. It's like, where did that come from? Mm. Yeah. Uh, mate, I've been there. I've been there, brother. Um, what is your current state of mind? Fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, always pretty contemplative and thinking about things. As always, but um, I'm uh, working on a new show with Henry at the moment, uh, which is kind of coming together. And you know, we're kind of thinking there might be something in it. So uh, I, I guess uh, I'm feeling um, sort of purposeful and optimistic. Yep. Um, yep. And uh, so, yeah, generally fair. Uh, that's good, mate. In fact, that should be on the call sheet when your show gets up. Matt's yep. set of mind fair. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, turbulent. <laughs> Give him a wide berth today, guys. Don't take any of his muffins, and he knows which one are, which ones are his. <laughs> I was once as a very famous Australian actor uh, when I was just starting out, and um, we're in the dressing room, and I read his newspaper. I was made 
very aware that that was the wrong thing to do. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so. One doesn't touch his newspaper. <laughs> That's right. Um, buddy, what do you consider your greatest achievement? Um, well, I reckon it's... Uh, it's kind of more of a philosophical answer, I suppose, but um, I think to have spent sort of uh, a f- much of my time on earth having fun with people I like and whose work I admire, I suppose. You know, I've done, you know, I've worked in, you know, music and radio and reality TV and uh, narrative comedy and um, I've kind of been surrounded by fun, kind of hardworking, creative people who, um, you know, in, in a world where you can spend time in a job you hate with people you want to murder. Uh, it feels like an achievement to have it the other way, mate. That's a really good thing to say, and also, and and also having you know, obviously, and I'm not making, I am making an assumption that you know the engineering days were probably not what you wanted to to do, you know, and um, well, I, I enjoyed can... those days for uh, it, they just accessed a different side of my brain. Oh, okay. Um, I, I actually really did enjoy uh, those times. Um, I enjoyed the challenge, but I, I was and I enjoyed. Uh, you know, I love Microsoft Excel. I bloody love it. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I absolutely love it. I used to write those VBA routines for it, make it do certain things, and that was deep satisfaction. Okay. Uh, absolutely, but um, but I would rather be making bum jokes. Yeah. To be honest. <laughs> um, who would you? want in your side in a battle and why uh probably a few people i reckon my family um because they wouldn't care that they wouldn't care if i started it you know (laughs) if someone came at me with a flaming scimitar you know they would um they would back me up um yeah and uh, my dad's got an expression uh which is uh do you want me to burn their house down which like he'd ask if i was ever having trouble with someone he'd come in he'd go well do you want me to burn their house down and I'm like, oh, yeah, nah, nah. <laughs> is it, is it being metaphor, metaphorical or is he going to burn the house well, down? I think it is It is tending towards the metaphorical. <laughs> but I've, I've never, I, I guess I've never really tested his resolve on that one. <laughs> Tell him to get back to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, he, he, you know, they're on side. My mum has a very different, the thing is, in actual fact, my mum, she would go to the enemy camp um, and then a few hours later she would come back saying, we've had a good talk, we've cleared it all up, there were some misunderstandings and now, and we're all friends now. I've met you know? your mum, I can imagine her, her saying and doing that. That's her, that's her thing. She's like, a, she's, she's like the, um, she's covert because it's like she'll win you over and then you're like, what was, what, no, hang on a minute, I was angry. <laughs> I was bloody angry. Yeah. So who else? Uh, you got your parents? Yeah, my friend Lee. Uh, he's a bona fide nunchuck-wielding psychopath when his blood's up. He's like a genuine, like you just don't mess with him. Yeah, like, right. He, yeah, he's a guy who's like has, and you just go, I want Lee, you know, front and centre. And, um, and I reckon Henry and Lauren, my um, business colleagues, would be able to... Uh, inflict upon the opposition some pretty creative insults. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um, I think if just in terms of the Gavin Tanner pilot, that Eddie Baru would be quite handy as well, just quietly. Wouldn't he just? 
Oh man, yeah, actually he's front and center. He can be the Trojan horse out of which we all emerge. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that guy. Um, <laughs> what a champion. And the final question is, what would you like your last words to be? I thought long and hard about this one, Adam, and um, I think uh, if my last words were something along the lines of, um, I couldn't possibly make love with any more Victoria's Secret Angels. I feel like I'm about to have a heart attack. Well, I suppose I should at least give it a try. We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two, all engines running. Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff. We have liftoff. 